Gorilla nose prints are unique to the gorilla, just like your fingerprints are unique to you. Wait, wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. What? Gorillas. There's some really interesting, amazing animals, and there's a lot to know about them. In fact, a lot of our listeners have also asked a lot of questions about gorillas. Hi, I'm your host, Akshay, and in this episode, I'm going to be talking to Miss Rhiannon Schultz to learn more about gorillas and answer some of your listener questions. There are really some mind-boggling questions, so make sure to stick around until the end. Let's go on to this amazing interview with gorillas and science. Let's go! Hello! Hi! How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, I'm Rhiannon and very excited to talk to you about science and gorillas today. Yep, science and gorillas. I'm really excited <laughs> about this too. So can you please introduce yourself to listeners and tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. So as I mentioned, my name's Rhiannon. I am a PhD candidate at the University of Georgia, and I'm also an animal welfare consultant and project manager for Animal Welfare Expertise, which is a uh, international animal welfare consulting firm. Um, I'm originally from South Dakota and Montana. I grew up in uh, very rural areas out in the country, uh, way more cows than people. <laughs> but I moved to California for college and I worked on a bachelor's degree in anthropology and then um, specifically biological anthropology, which we'll cover later, mm -hmm. uh, and a master's degree in biology. And right now I am working on my doctorate studying gorilla physiology, nutrition and health. Wow, that is amazing. So what I research do you do? Research that I do. So I study mainly gorillas living in zoos, and I look at what gorillas are eating, what they're doing all day, and how their energetic needs are being met by their bodies. So if you aren't aware of gorillas living in zoos, they have a lot of very similar health challenges that people can get. So one of their biggest challenges is heart disease. And I want to look at how nutrition and activity impact or might be related to gorilla heart disease, especially for male gorillas, because it seems to affect them more than females. So I basically follow gorillas around all day, watch what they eat, watch what they do. And then I use that information uh, to create nutrition profiles for them, figure out what they're eating, basically be a gorilla dietitian, mm -hmm. figure out what they're eating, and then look at uh, how that might be related to things like their health status, their age, or how they're just how they're doing from a from a health and metabolic perspective. Wow, that is amazing. So you're kind of like the gorilla's nutrition advisor. <laughs> Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And part of that is also uh, less glamorous where I'll collect urine samples, which I can use to measure how their um, metabolism is doing. I can measure how much energy they've expended over a certain amount of time, which will help me better understand how their bodies are spending their energy. Are they spending it on staying healthy, on moving around, being normal social gorillas? Or is there something else going on that maybe we can address? So Lots of moving parts in there, but all of it is to keep gorillas healthy. Whoa, that's that's amazing. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah. So how did you get interested in science? Oh, man. I was interested in science at a very young age. I love to read, especially science books. I'm not even sure I knew that it was science at the time. I just had a lot of questions. You can ask my parents, everyone around me. I was always asking questions. Why? How come it's that way? How do, what is this? Why does it, why does it work that way? Uh, and when I couldn't get satisfactory answers, 
I would go and try to find answers myself. And that usually involved taking one of my books out into the hayfield or the rock pile, identifying plants, looking at rocks and, and, and fossils and insects, and trying to find answers to my own questions. So for me, science was more about a, being a tool for how I could explore the world around me. And it still is. It's how I pursue answers to all of these burning questions that I still have. Whoa, that's that's an amazing story. So just wanted to ask questions about everything around you. And that's what got you Absolutely. into science. Yeah. And that's what science is. Science is a process, right? It's always changing and you're always pursuing answers. And as you get more information, that changes. So I started out with just a little book out in the field. And now I've got research and data and different ways of answering questions. But it's still it's still the same process. That's awesome. So now into the science and gorillas part. Can yeah. you please introduce us to the gorillas and what are some important facts about them? Oh, absolutely. So gorillas, <laughs> there are <laughs> there are a lot of different kinds of gorillas. People kind of see gorillas as one entity, but there are two species of gorillas and four total subspecies. All of them are native to sort of the central bit of the continent of Africa. Uh, you have eastern gorillas, which are the like eastern lowland gorillas and the famous mountain gorillas. They're going to be living on the easterly side of the continent. And then you have the Western gorillas, which are the Western lowland gorillas and the Cross River gorillas living on, of course, the westerly side of the continent. Um, I study Western lowland gorillas. That's the subspecies you're going to find in zoos. I don't I don't know of any other subspecies that's currently housed in a zoo that's not a Western lowland gorilla. So I study those. I'm a little particular. They're my favorite. Mm -hmm. Um, interesting facts about gorillas in general, though, is that they have uh, very strong social family groups. Typically, there's one male, multiple females, and then their offspring, although some mountain gorilla groups can have more than one male, which is really interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, they're herbivores, so depending on the subspecies, gorillas will, uh, they can eat primarily fruit, like western lowland gorillas can be considered frugivores. Or they can eat primarily leaves, like mountain gorillas can be considered folivores. And uh, they also eat insects in the wild. A lot of people think of gorillas as sort of vegan, but they're not. They will eat insects. Uh, they don't hunt or really eat any other kind of animal material. But uh, bugs are on the menu, as I like to say. Primarily plant material, but they'll eat some insects as well. My favorite fact about gorillas, at least today, is about their locomotion. So gorillas are quadrupedal, which means they walk on all fours, uh, but they are knuckle walkers, which is a very special kind of locomotion in that they, they are balancing really on their three sort of central knuckles on their hand. And because of this really unique um, locomotion, they have these locking mechanisms in their wrist to help support their massive weight on just that little knuckle. So when you see a gorilla footprints, you'll see feet, and then you'll see little three little dots where their knuckles had hit the ground. And that's really cool. A lot of people, when they're, if you see artist depictions or even in movies, they'll have them walking on their fists, but yeah. it's not their fists, it's their knuckles, which I think is way cooler. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> so now we have a lot of listener questions about gorillas, which I'm really, really excited about. Great, sounds good. All right, so let's get into the first question. This was asked by Rajvika, one of our listeners. And her question was, why are gorillas so big? Why are gorillas so big? That sounds like such a um, direct question, but you know what? It's actually pretty complicated. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> gorillas are so big because of a variety of reasons. And I'm going to I'm going to try to give you the nutshell, um, sort of the nutshell about this. 
Gorillas are the size and the shape that they are largely due to what we call natural selection and some sexual selection. So what that means is that the traits that have allowed gorillas uh, and their ancestors to survive and reproduce are all traits that are going to be more likely to be passed on to offspring because the ones that survive make more babies, right? Mm -hmm. So as a species environment changes, uh, maybe their social dynamics will change they're constantly going to be evolving and adapting to these new pressures and these new selection processes. So for gorillas, you if you've ever seen gorillas or seen a picture of gorillas, you might've noticed that they're very different sizes. Mm -hmm. You've got sexual dimorphism in gorillas. And what that means is males and females are different sizes. Males are almost twice the size of females. So females can be around 180 to 210 pounds or so. Males can be anywhere from 370 to around 420 usually. Uh, so we're literally twice the size of females. And males are likely larger because bigger bodies are better at defending females and offspring than smaller bodies. So they they need to be defending their group against predators, maybe other interloping males trying to take over. So having a big, bigger body is a good idea, right? So females will select males that have bigger bodies that look like they're tough and can defend them and defend their offspring because their babies are more likely to survive. And that's that's the goal. Also, so that's the selection kind of thing. But on the other side of that, I mentioned that gorillas are herbivores. And if you think about it, most herbivores or most massive animals on the planet are herbivores mm. because herbivores eat plants. Plant material is everywhere. And if you have a big body, you have to be able to pay for that body with food fuel, right? Mm -hmm. So because gorillas live in a rainforest, they can afford to have those big bodies because there's food everywhere. They can constantly be eating and working on uh, maintenance of their bodies. So like I said, it's complicated. There's, there's all of these different aspects that determine body size um, and it's always changing, right? Just like with people, lots of different impacts on your body. Same with gorillas, uh, but largely it's, it's environment and also socially uh, sort of managed for gorillas. That's a great question and very, very good question. Hard to answer in a short yeah. amount of time. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a really good question. I I really liked your answer. It's all, it's all their diet and um their social preferences. So it's really it's really cool. Absolutely, and they're that's very similar across the the board. If you think about elephants, they're herbivores, big social, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's kind of a pattern that you can see in a lot of species. Well, that's amazing. So our next question is about baby gorillas, which I'm really really excited about. <laughs> Everyone's excited about baby gorillas. They are the best. Yep. <laughs> So our listener, Isha, asked, how big are baby gorillas? Oh, man. I just talked about how gorillas have big bodies and they're maintained by their environment and social influences. But baby gorillas are remarkably small. They're about four to four and a half pounds when they're born. So gestation or the time that the mother is pregnant is about eight and a half months. So just slightly less than humans. Uh, but the babies are tiny when they come out. Uh, they're four pounds. They're very little. So if you think of like two little bags of rice, that's about how much a baby gorilla is going to weigh. Oh, wow. uh, and they can't even hang on to mom right away. Mom has to hold them just like human babies. Eventually, they develop strength in their hands and they can grip and they'll hang on to mom. But that can take a couple of months. So they're actually really small. And there might be a few different reasons for that, largely because mom has to carry them around for a while. Mm -hmm. 
also they have sort of a long childhood so they can afford to be small because mom's going to take care of them, which is important. Uh, also, if they're on mom somewhere, if they're little, they're a little bit harder to find. So they can they kind of camouflage into mom, which is a good idea if you're a little gorilla that might be a bite size mm -hmm. to, a, to a predator, right? So there are a couple different um, benefits to having little babies like that. that. And it's just easier to have a smaller baby in the wild. There are no... There are no midwives or veterinarians out there helping yeah. gorillas, right? Gorillas are delivering their own babies. So little babies are easier to pass through the birth canal, easier to manage, and it just makes sense. Wow, that's really cool. The baby gorillas are just so cute. Which is just... They're so cute. And I each of them looks so different. They all have different hair and different teeth. And, <laughs> and, I, and I just think they're every one of them is precious. Usually gorillas have one baby, but sometimes twins have been recorded. And then they're even mm. smaller and even cuter. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. So our next question is from Nithya, another one of our listeners, and she asked, why are gorillas furs black? Why are gorilla furs black? Why is gorilla fur black? Well, first of all, I want to say uh, it's not. It's not? <laughs> no. So if you look at gorillas, a lot of pictures and paintings of gorillas, they're black or they're gray. Uh, but if you actually look at a gorilla, they have a range of different colored hair on their bodies. They, of course, they have some black hair, but they have gray hair. They have silver, like you see on the silver backs, which are just mature males. Uh, some subspecies or populations of gorillas can have red or reddish brown tufts on their hair oh. or on their head. Some gorillas have a reddish tinge to their hair, just like people's hair ranges in color, right? Same with gorillas. They all can, can have different sort of pelage or color. Uh, so it's, it's generally like, oh, gorillas are black and gray. But if you look at them, you'll notice a lot more is going on in their, in their hair color. Uh, so, yes, they're black, but they're also lots of other colors, too, which is really cool. Whoa, they have, like, really crazy hairstyles. They, they have a lot going on, and, and a lot of it is dependent on where they're, again, their environment where they are, their, their population. Uh, there might even be some sort of uh, preference. Who knows, right? Yeah. Uh, but if... Yeah, if you look at a gorilla, you'll notice that they all have slightly different uh, colored hair and various colored hair on their bodies, which is pretty cool. That is really cool. So our next question is from Sahasra, and she asks, do gorillas eat just bananas? <laughs> I love this question. <laughs> I get this question all the time. As somebody who studies gorilla nutrition, the answer is yes and no. Gorillas will eat a banana if you give it to them because bananas taste good. They're mm -hmm. sugary and, and yummy and mushy and they like them. Uh, you'll often see gorillas eating bananas in zoos because they're they're kind of like extra sweet and wonderful. They can be used as a treat or as a, a reward for um, positive reinforcement training or anything like that. But here's the catch. Bananas don't really grow in abundance in the wild where gorillas live in the wild right they're, they're they can be there but if a gorilla in the wild is eating a banana they've probably taken that banana from a human somewhere yeah. right they may have taken it from a farm or they might have found it at a market or some, something it's come somewhere somebody left it in the forest uh so it's not a large part of their natural diet however Bananas are a good source of micronutrients, so they're a good source of potassium, good source of fiber. Uh, so, so they're often incorporated into gorilla diets when they're living under human care because it's, it's it helps keep variety and they like them so much, right? So it's it's not part of their natural diet so much, but they definitely will eat them. Well, that's really cool. 
So when you see the pictures of gorillas holding a banana, it's mm -hmm. not really accurate. Oh, really? If they're living in a zoo, then you might see that. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. the wild, you don't really see them eating bananas much. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of they're kind of picky about it. They can't find bananas, so it's probably just in zoos. It's, it's not. Yeah, it's not something they would want to. They they'll th eat things like figs, though. Oh wow. Yeah, big big fan of figs for sure. <laughs> So this other question is also really interesting. So Sharanya asked, is it true that gorillas sing while eating? Oh, I love this. So yeah, th there's been a lot of research into this actually recently about just the kinds of communication and the kind of noises that gorillas make. In fact, my advisor, Dr. Roberta Salmi, studies communication in gorillas. And it's, mm -hmm. it's very interesting. Uh, you can, you can, you can observe gorillas making sort of these special um, um, grumbly noises when they're eating. And it's really lovely. It's one of my favorite sounds. Um, you see this very commonly in gorillas that live in zoos because sometimes they'll start to make these sort of food songs in anticipation of their food coming. So they'll, they'll hear the keepers chopping stuff up and they're like, oh, here it comes. Just like we get, mm, we get so excited about our favorite meals, right? Uh, it has been seen in uh, in wild gorillas as well, more commonly in males, as I understand it. Uh, but it's definitely an area we're still trying to figure out. So if you're interested in gorillas, this could be a question that you could pursue mm -hmm. using science. Uh, but yes, food songs are a thing. And they they make happy kind of grumbles when they're eating or when they're otherwise content. So when they're with their family, I've heard mothers um, make that kind of grumbling when they're nursing. And it's it's a way of communicating that they are their kind of state, but also a way of talking to a group. Because remember, they're very social. They live in a social group, and they're constantly communicating, even if we're not figuring we're, we haven't picked up all of the ways they communicate. So food songs are part of their sort of contentment grumbles that they make, and I it is just the greatest sound. And everybody sounds different, but I they just every time I hear it, it makes me happy. It's kind of like us going, ooh, pizza. <laughs> exactly. Ooh, pizza. But the whole time we're eating the pizza. Yeah. So you, that would make you feel good. If you brought somebody a, a snack and they're like, oh, my goodness, this is so delicious. The whole time it makes you feel good, right? It's yeah. a way of communicating. And gorillas, to some degree, are, are likely doing that. That's so cool. It is cool. They're so much like humans. <laughs> yeah, lots of similarities, both socially and biologically, to uh, to humans. This is another really interesting question. It's from Shloka. She asked, is it true that gorillas have a fingerprint or nose print on their nose? Oh, that's such a great question. Yes. Uh, gorilla nose prints are unique to the gorilla, just like your fingerprints are unique to you. And if you can see um, behind me here, you might be able to notice there's this white picture that has some black markings on it. That's actually a sketch of a gorilla nose print. Oh, wow. And this is a way that gorilla researchers use uh, to identify gorillas. And when I'm first getting to know gorillas, I have to look at their noses through binoculars to make sure that I'm identifying the right one because each one is so different and you can use certain marks or lines on their noses to tell them apart. Uh, you don't have to do that for very long though, because honestly, after you get to know them, they're, they're all unique and they're individuals and you can tell who's who just based off of the way they look or just their personality. Uh, but yes, they do have unique noses, which is just one more really cool thing about gorillas. And they don't have sort of this bridge, this like nose um, bone that some people have kind of right here. So their noses are a bit flat, flatter and they've got a lot more wrinkles to work with. So it's a lot, lot easier to have a print on their, um, from their nose, I guess, that has unique wrinkles and curves and marks. Well, that's really interesting. <laughs> 
Yes, very cool. And very helpful when you're trying to learn who gorillas are because yeah. you, you have to figure out who they are. And sometimes you're looking at them from really far away. So mm-hmm. having something you can rely on, like their nose shape, is really helpful. Well, that's amazing. <laughs> so this is also a really, really interesting question from Arjun, one of our other listeners. And he asked, are gorillas endangered and why? Mm, yes. So all gorillas, remember I mentioned there are four subspecies, two species, all of them are either endangered or critically endangered. So none of them are doing very well in the wild, uh, largely because of deforestation. So loss of their habitat, which has has a variety of causes. But one of the biggest ones is directly linked to human behavior. Uh, it's mining. So mining for something called coltan, which is a really important material that we use for electronics. And if you think about it, our lives are wrapped around electronics in so many different ways. We use a lot of coltan. So we're digging up the coltan because it is mined in the same areas as where gorillas live and it's destroying rainforests in the process. So that's a really big challenge. So if you're interested in helping gorillas, a really easy, pretty quick thing you can do is just recycle your electronics. If you have a local zoo, very often they'll have a box set up where you can recycle your electronics there. I've donated electronics. You can donate them to shelters and things like that where they can just get reused because coltan is recyclable. So we don't need to keep mining more and more. We can just keep reusing it. And a lot of big companies have even made pledges to use recycled coltan into the, into the future. So this is where we're going as a society, which is really great. Uh, Another major issue for gorillas is I mentioned how biologically similar they are to people. Uh, Disease. They can get pretty much all of the same illnesses that we can get. We can share zoonotic disease right back and forth. Uh, So COVID-19 was especially scary because we weren't sure how it it would impact the gorillas in the wild. And it was so it ran rampant through humans and it traveled through gorilla populations too. And it was very scary. Uh, But even just the common cold can, can really cause damage to a gorilla's body. So if you ever are visiting gorillas or if you're if you ever go to a zoo and you'll see keepers wearing masks and gloves, it's just one more way that they're helping to protect gorillas. And there's even opportunities for people who go gorilla trekking, which is you can hike into the forest and see the gorillas. But if you do that, you'll notice that there are really strict rules about how close you can get wearing a mask. You can't go if you're sick. And that's all really important because gorillas sometimes can get sick and even die from stuff that maybe won't, wouldn't make us that sick or we could treat with medicine. In the wild, there's not really medicine they can go out and just treat, right? So it's really important to recognize how similar we are so that we can help protect them uh, from, from illnesses and also protect ourselves. We don't want necessarily to, to catch something from them as well, right? It's a mutual protection, which is really important. So, uh, But de- deforestation, the mining, and, and uh, disease, I'd say, are, are the biggest threats right now. Wow. If only they had a wildlife pharmacy, maybe that might make things better. <laughs> Well, there are some there is some research into that about how they might use uh, materials in the wild to treat illnesses. Chimpanzees definitely do this. So, wow. again, there's another question you can ask and, and use science to pursue. So, uh, but there's there's and there's a group of doctors that are helping uh, gorillas in the wild. But there there's you know it's too hard. They can't just show up to urgent care when they're not feeling good, mm-hmm. right? Um, and their body, their immune systems don't have the same kind of protections that humans do because a lot of these illnesses they're getting are, are new to their body and they affect their bodies in different ways. So it's it's important to recognize that and be responsible humans uh, and protect ourselves and protect them as well. Yep. Protect the gorillas, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Keep gorillas healthy. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so what advice do you have for kids who are interested in science? Oh, man. 
advice I have for kids that are interested in science is don't let anyone talk you out of it. If you are excited <laughs> about science or you're interested in using science as a tool to explore the world or to understand the universe or the processes around you, go do it. Don't get me wrong. You're going to have people who are going to tell you that you can't do it or you shouldn't do it or it's too hard or it'll never happen. But believe me when I tell you, science belongs to everyone. It is your right to have science. So if you want to be a scientist, go be a scientist. You are going to encounter roadblocks and barriers and naysayers along the way, definitely. Uh, but a little bit of determination and perseverance can go a really long way. And it's going to take everyone down a different path and a different timeline, but you can get there. I grew up in a place where scientists wasn't really a job that wasn't told to me when I was young. I didn't even see my first gorilla until I was 20 years old. And now I've studied gorillas and I work in zoos and it's my entire life, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have a passion, if you have something that's really interesting to you, you want to pursue science, go do it. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Don't let anybody change your mind. It's up to you. Whoa, that's some really great advice. Thank you so, so much for talking to me today. I learned so much about girls. I'm sure my listeners are really excited because you answered some of their amazing questions. So thank you so, so much. Absolutely. My pleasure. I love talking about gorillas and I'm happy to do it, especially for people who are interested in science. So thank you for having me. This was a blast. Thank you so much. Now let's go good. Let's go to the zoo and see some gorillas. I really want to see more gorillas and you, you have to point out some of those gorillas for me because oh, I'm really into that. <laughs> absolutely. Anytime. I'm, I'm all for it. Gorillas and zoos are a great place to learn more about gorillas because they are, there are over 350 of them living in oh. zoos in America. So um, zoos are a great way to access wildlife and wildlife information. Even if you can't travel to Central Africa and go gorilla trekking, <laughs> you can still learn a lot about them. And right. And they have uh, needs and science questions too. Well, that's amazing. Thank you so, so much. You're very welcome. I hope you enjoy. Thanks everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Spectacular Science. Spectacular Science produced and hosted by me, Akshay Raman. Our theme song and additional music are by Chan Ramachandran. Special thanks to Miss Reen and Schultz for accepting this interview invite. I learned so much about gorillas, and thank you so much for answering all these amazing listener questions. Also, special shout out to the listeners that asked their questions in this episode. They are Arjun, Isha, Nitya, Rajvika, Hasra, Shloka, and Sharanya. Thank you so much for your amazing questions. If you want a shout out like this and want to submit a question about science that you have, head over to SpectacularSci.com slash contact. Make sure to grab an adult to help you submit the form. Thank you so much. Visit SpectacularSci.com, my podcast website, to find interactive activities, articles, and the link to contact me. That's SpectacularSci.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe where we're listening right now. It really encourages me, and you'll be up to date on all the new episodes. Subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of Spectacular Science next week. Keep thinking about science. <laughs>